this is the moment where I should ask if anybody is a first-time visitor. <laughs> ben, that's for you. <laughs> be the first and the last time that everyone can raise their hand. Um, I'm uh, really excited about tonight because this has been an incredible journey for me, uh, fascinating journey for me, as we started this thing as a Bible study that, you know, happened to study the Bible. Um, and what a concept, right? But it was more than that. There was this idea that what if we would encounter the, the Christ of the scriptures, you know? What would we do? What would happen if, that, if we did that? And, and the answer so far is that in two and a half years, um, somewhere we, we're about to, I guess I can make this announcement right now. I just got an email today because um, this will jump up the number quite a bit, but um, we're about to get a $15,000 bump to a house in Haiti that we've been working on for about a year, and we needed fifteen grand to get it finished, and God uh, did it. So, so for those of you going with us in April, what you're going to see is a finished home, and in Haiti, that's important because the story of Haiti is unfinished business. Um, the amount of people that start something and don't finish it there is uh, amazing, and so part of the story is we had to finish this, and so what we have there now is this little house. Well, the, the, the house that's working right now is, I, I, I wouldn't think it to be more than six or 700 square feet. I mean, it's like a two-bedroom tops apartment, maybe one bedroom, um, where they're feeding 75 kids in there, and I mean literally just cramming them in there, and uh, you don't hear one single complaint, and those little boys and girls, they get to their little, and I use the word table very loosely, uh, and the bench even more loosely, um, and they sit and wait till everybody's seated. And there's nobody, uh, hey, you need to finish your lunch. Uh, because they all finish it, like, totally. So all that to say, this house will expand our opportunity to grow that program. You know, right now, one of the most painful things is when you go there, you see the, the little bars on the gate and the kids that are on the outside looking in. Because there's no room for them. There's nowhere to put them. Uh, and now we're about to have a lot more room for them. So all that to say, this conduit, this idea um, of it being a, a pipe being something very simple. Uh, and originally, it was just about resources. I thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll be a conduit, and we'll give away some money. And we'll, we'll do some fundraisers, and we'll learn to be entrepreneurial with our giving. And, and then I, I saw something that I had never, um, what I'd seen before, but I never realized what it, what it really meant. And what it became was, for me, was the realization that the word conduit was bigger than I thought it was. And it's in John chapter 7. You can write it down and go there later. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, picture this, by the way. Jesus, this is a feast that's seven days long, okay? And on the last day of the feast, every day of this feast, there would be a priest that would take a pitcher of water, and he would go from the pool of Siloam, and he would walk through the streets, and he would pour it on the altar, representing the water that was given to them in the wilderness. And on the last day, the greatest day of the feast, they would walk, but this time the pitcher, he would go to the pool and mimic like he was putting water in it, and he would walk through the streets again, and he would pour an empty pitcher on the altar, signifying another day, another year that Messiah had not come. Imagine then with me, Jesus says in a loud voice, hey, knuckleheads, over here. No, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He's shouting this out to this crowd. Come to me and drink, and whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from with him, within him. You're looking for it over here, and I'm right here. It'll flow from within you. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. What I realized much later was that it isn't just being a conduit of resources, of our money, but of the spirit that flows from within us. A conduit is just a piece of pipe. It transfers something from a place that has plenty to a place that has none. You can see up around there's conduit of pipe, and it takes electricity from places that have plenty of it to places that have none of it all around us here. That's what conduit does. And for that, the spirit flows from with us. And what would that look like? Man, it would look like us being a place that people could become refreshed. Um, if, if the fruit of the spirit... Which, which it is, is love. Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then those branches that Jesus calls us to be 
We're just conduit of fruit. It takes the nutrients of Christ and puts them to the fruit. And if we're really that and we're a conduit, then we're going to be the kind of folks people want to be around. Galatians says we're going to be kind, we're going to be patient, we're going to be giving, we're going to be merciful, and we're going to change the world around us. That's what conduit Bible study has been. And tonight, it's not like the birth of something, it's the rebirth of conduit church. And you know how it is when something's little, like puppies, you know, your baby's here tonight, they're little cute little things. So we're, you guys all look really cute tonight. We're all little in this baby stage. <laughs> we're in that infancy, and when you're an infant, you don't have everything figured out. And we don't have everything figured out. But we have a lot of stuff that God has already brought to us, and I'm blown away by it. One of them is Jim. Jim Henderson, would you join me? Jim, I don't know if you know this, but the Tylers, we like kids. We're, as they term in some church circles, breeders, okay? So we have, kids are very important to us. And one of the things that I knew God was saying, yeah, you guys should do this, was, and I'd already made the decision in my mind, and we talked about it with my wife, and I'm having coffee with Jim, and uh, Jim is very gifted in, in children's ministry, incredibly gifted, and we're having coffee, and he's saying, you know, we're talking about some stuff that we're both going through, and he said, you know, if, if you guys had started a church, you know, Donna and I were talking, if you guys hung out of shingles, said you were starting a church, we'd be there tomorrow, and, and I didn't spit coffee through my nose. Um, in fact, that, anyway, I didn't, uh, I didn't, but I wanted to. Um, and it was just a one more confirmation that God really had something uh, special to this. So I've asked Jim to share just a few minutes about what his heart for children is. And then he's going to take your kids with you tonight. Uh, and uh, they're going to have a good time with him. So, How many of you guys are in kindergarten through fifth grade? Just show me your hand real quick. How many of you guys have no idea what he just said about the conduit and what that was all about? Yeah, that's okay. We're going to talk about it back there on your guys' terms. Um, Thank you very much for giving me a couple minutes just to talk, Darren. Um, kids, for me, are they're more than just a lifeblood of the church. In, in some ways, they represent what the gospel is in its truest form because they read the word and they take it at face value. And one of the things I love about dealing and working with kids is the very real questions that they ask. And, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what am I going to say to a bunch of adults because up uh, Honestly, I deal with kids a lot easier than I deal with just talking to adults because um, I, I just like, you can just kind of boil things down. You don't have to have a bunch of prefaces in front of it. But, you know, I, I, I cracked open the Bible and as I was looking through, um, I, I came to, to Luke and it says here that people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Darren asked me during one of our many coffees that we've had, what, what did church look like to me from the kids' perspective? And as far as I could see, in so many churches, children and youth are underserviced. Um, they're seen but not meant to be heard. And, and I said to him, I said, would it, would, it, you know, would it blow your socks off if, if we requested, what if there was a service one Sunday where the kids were in? And I don't mean sitting being quiet. They were ushering. They were on the sound booth. It was kind of like bring a kid to, to work with you, except they came into the service. And they asked, maybe the, they asked some questions. I said, or, or what if, you know, Darren... One, one worship Sunday, Jeremy, you're going to be leading worship because Darren's going to be back leading the kids and just seeing what church looks like from their perspective. Um, I firmly believe that these, these guys right here hold a key to challenging us in our walk with, with Christ. Um, I, didn't, I grew up in a church very quickly that, honestly, if the government was going to start a church, it was it. Um, it was awful. And I'm sure that, you know, it was, this, this people meant well, but it was boring. It, it, there was just nothing to it. And, and when, at 13, when my dad said, um, if you still want to go, great. And if you don't, that's okay. And I said, I'm out. Okay. And that was me until, that was me until I was about 18 when I fell in love with Jesus for the first time. I mean, going to church, but I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know what the gospel was. And, you know, over that time, God has birthed in my heart 
to, to, talk, to see these guys and make sure that Jesus is alive for them. Getting on the carpet, getting down, getting dirty, get a, get a rug stain. Who, does it matter? And, and hanging out on their level and entertaining their questions. And they ask some pretty cool questions. And one of the things that, that in the ministry, that as, I've, as, as God's been working, and I'll, I'll throw it out there right away. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't have a fancy diploma or anything along that lines. Basically what I say is, um, how was my childhood growing up in the church? Just do the opposite. And, and it works really, really well. They, they're allowed to be loud. They're allowed to cheer. They're allowed to laugh and have a great time. Right, Katie? You've been to, you've been to a couple of VBSs, right? And, and it's kind of crazy. Um, a couple of years ago, I got a call from God literally in prayer. And it was like, why don't you lead a VBS? And I was like, I've never even been to a VBS. I don't know what a VBS is. And basically what I got back was good. And so that very first VBS we ran, it wasn't bought at Lifeway or some other, you know, store. It was, it was something that was just birthed out of the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. And we, and we took, at that time, Raiders of the Lost Ark was coming out. Remember the fourth movie that panned not very well? Um, well, we took a VBS and made it really, really good about that. And we had a $3,000 budget, and the, and the kids loved it. And the very next year, God said, do it again, but this time you have no budget. And what I realized was is that it wasn't about whether you had $3,000 or $300 or, or whatever it was. If you can meet these kids relationally, that's what Jesus did. Come and sit on my knee. Come and sit around me. Get to know me. Ask me what I think. And parents, it will challenge you. And I'm not, I, I don't know a single thing about any of you, really, uh, as far as this goes. But, you know... Some of the cool things that, that I've seen that, that um, would be on, on a Sunday morning, just the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit was for to send kids home with, with a little piece of homework, and they would ask you around the dinner table, share with me about a miracle God did in your life. And they would write it back in their own words. And we would meet on a Sunday morning for breakfast, which was Krispy Kreme donuts, and, and hang out and talk about it, just sharing. And I can't tell you how many times I got a really cool little email, and it wasn't me. This was all God. This was just, you know, the Holy Spirit acting like a conduit, just, just kind of letting it flow through. And a parent saying, that was one of the coolest Tuesday night dinners we've ever had. It wasn't about the food. It was about we talked about something, and all it was was a launching point to talk about God and our family. That's what I see kids' ministry. I think every parent in here at some point should sit through, at least once a year, kids' ministry. If you've got kids in youth, you ought to sit in a youth and audit it. See what's going on. What are your kids excited about? Find out about it. You know, we're not, this is not a sign-up session. This is just, honestly, find out what, what's going on. What are your kids excited about? And kids, if it's boring, tell me. Because that means that, that you know what, I'm probably doing it and not allowing God to do it. That's where my heart is. It's not very well worded or eloquent and so on, but that's just coming from, from the Word of the Bible. And, and what I want to do is at this stage, if, um, if it's all right with all of you, is I'm going to gather up the kindergartners through fifth graders. We're going to go back and have a time of just fellowshipping, getting to know each other a little relationally. i got a couple of stupid games lined up as well, but that's all right. We'll have some fun back there. We might get a little bit loud, not too loud, um, but if you hear us, just, just overlook it, and uh, Darren, just ask Darren to say whatever he needs to say again. <laughs> yes, sir. Good. Thanks, Jim. All right, guys. Awesome. We're going to head back this way. We're really, really blessed to have Jim on board. I've, I've, my kids have been a part of it, and some of your kids have too, but he's amazing um, with the kids. So, Audrey, you going back? So the question in my mind, my heart is, if you're going to start a church, what does it look like? There's been a lot of people that would say, is it going to be a word church? Are you going to be a, a, a spirit-filled church? Are you going to be a seeker church? And, and I think to quote my friend John Mark Comer, I was, where's the box for Jesus church? Because I want to mark that one. Like, what would it look like to be just a Jesus church? I don't know, are you a reformed church? I don't know. We love Jesus a lot. What would that look like? And the truth is, and I, don't, I honestly don't have a lot to say tonight, but I thought I needed to share at least this, that what if you built a church not on what the latest conference 
not with the latest consultants or the pencil-pushing geeks that come around with their research, you know, you know, crunching numbers. And what if it was from the Bible? What if, what if in this there was actually a model for a church? And what if it looked like that the day after three thousand people got saved, Peter stood up that day and he he gave the best sermon ever. It was, "Hey, repent." This is the same guy that like you know, just a few weeks ago was hiding behind a corner terrified and he's up preaching and 3,000 people get saved. What do you do with 3,000 people and you can't say, now you got to go get into a good church and read the Bible every day. They didn't have the Bible. Read the Bible every day. What do you do with them? Acts 2 tells us what they did with them. It's Acts 2, 42. 3,000 people had just been added to their numbers. And he says, Luke writes that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's it. That's what they did. That was their church model. And if you're following along at home, it was four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And at Conduit, we're going to do that. We're just going to simply teach the word simply. That's what we do. The water of the word, the Bible is referred to, it refers to itself as water. And what that does when water gets on hardened clay, which I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're also referred to as clay in the scriptures, it softens us and it allows us to be moldable. So we're just going to teach the word. We're going to go through each book. We'll probably have a week, a midweek study of some kind, and then on Sunday we'll talk, you know, maybe in depth a little bit about what we were in that week, we'll just have a, a Sunday time of that. But that's it. It's just going to be the Bible. It's just going to be real simple, and it's just going to be real Jesus. So they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, which, by the way, that breaking of bread, what they're talking about there is communion. Breaking of bread, communion. And by the way, the apostles' teaching, if you go to Luke, you don't have to, but if you go to Luke chapter 24, right after Jesus was ri- like raised, what's the past tense of ra- rise? Risen? Risened? Rosed? Right after Jesus raised from the dead. <laughs> rose from the dead. <laughs> See, if you didn't know we were going to conjugate verbs, this is very exciting. Um, right after he rose from the dead, he encounters these two guys on the road, and it says that in there that he gave them, and this is one of, the, one of like six times this, this uh, sermon is preached in Scripture, you never hear it preached today, but one of six times, every time it's ever preached, it was really successful. And he just went through the scriptures and showed how he was in there. And it says that our hearts burned when we heard those things. So the apostles' teaching, which if you've been to Conduit on Monday night, you know what we do in the Old Testament. We just look for Jesus, and he's everywhere, everywhere. So he was showing them that, and their hearts burned. But this says here that then the breaking of bread, but what, when you look at when they went back to the other disciples somewhere around verse 32-ish, they said to the other disciples, and he showed us who he was with the breaking of bread. The moment, the, the catalyst for them, the moment of Jesus being revealed to them was in the breaking of bread. He showed that in his body must be broken. Communion was an important part of the early church. It really ought to be an important part of our lives as well. Not as a, a duty but as a chance for us to reconnect, and we're going to do that tonight as well. So with communion to prayer. I skipped over fellowship, but I'm coming back to that, just in case you were wondering. And to prayer. Someone asked me once, you know, why should we pray if God already knows? And you know my answer? Jesus did. And it worked great for him. But we ought to be praying for each other. The early church prayed a lot. It's amazing to me in most church settings that the prayer services are the ones that are least attended. And I get it. I understand it. But prayer is important. We're going to integrate that. It's going to be an important part of who we are, praying for each other. And then the fourth thing is fellowship. Now, that word fellowship, of course, in American churches, we have fellowship halls, right? We, we, we kind of, it's like hanging with the bros, that we just think of fellowship as hang time. At Journey Church, we call it dwelling in a soul environment. We love the euphemisms at Journey. So that's very um, a very euphemistic way of saying we're really getting to know each other. We're really hanging out on the soul level. It's creating a safe environment where you can tell the truth. In places, places I've been in the past, I never really felt like I could tell the truth because 
I, I felt like if I did, and they really knew who I was and how I acted and some of the things that I thought, that they wouldn't want to be around me anymore. But fellowship denotes this idea that we can really hang out and be safe together. And as the Lord leads, I don't believe we need to have some sort of like a forced friendship group, you know, where we're just moving around dots on the grid and you have to be with this group. And, but man, as the Lord leads to build those groups that are dynamic and together where you guys can love each other, where we can love each other and, and, and hang deeply, I think that's, that's part of the church model. And that's pretty much it. I wish I could make it more difficult than that. But look what happened when they did those four things. Like this is the response that happened in this environment. When they got together and they devoted themselves, I suppose you would call this by a modern day church standards, their core values. But their core values were that and here's what happened to them. And it says that everyone was filled with awe. They were worshiping the Lord. They were blown away by the Lord. They were in awe of the Lord. That's a response to what happens in this environment when you're devoting it to teaching and to fellowship and prayer. And, and look, and it says that and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit clocked out. I don't believe that the days of signs and wonders are over. God still moves today. And in this environment, it's where he moves. And it says that all the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Now listen, we're all going to move into a compound down in Fayetteville. And no, um, <laughs> burying weapons and getting Kool-Aid. And no, um, that's not what this denotes, by the way, even though there are some people that have actually done that before. Because if you've ever been around anybody that's done that, you'll realize that doesn't work. Right? This is, this is not God saying you have to move into a compound. Because keep in mind, when the government does this, that's called socialism. When the Spirit moves upon your heart to say, you know what? I know that there's a need here or a need there. I'm going to put my stuff on Craigslist and sell it and help out with that need. That's called the Holy Spirit. And that's what this is saying. That when you're in that environment of prayer and teaching and fellowship and communion, that God's going to move on your heart from time to time to, move, to, to meet someone's needs, to meet each other's needs. And it's an amazing miracle. We've seen it happen at Conduit. We didn't know that's what was happening, but it's what's been happening. God's just been moving on our hearts and you know, we've sold some stuff sometimes and we give a little extra here or we'll create events around it and to raise money that way. But when the Holy Spirit moves in that way, that happens. And I want you to know that is going to be an integral part of Conduit Church. We're going to keep that DNA. What we've seen in Haiti is we've planted a church down there. I don't even think we really thought it all the way through. We didn't know that's what was happening. We're, we're financing a church in the middle of Jock Mill, Haiti, in the middle of this little slummy little neighborhood and slowly but surely, as the Spirit, as the conduit of the Holy Spirit flows into this neighborhood, lives are being changed. And the last time we were down there, the pastor was telling us that the voodoo doctor's business is down. Because those little ladies aren't taking their chickens to him anymore to get the spirits cast out. Because they're getting Jesus. <laughs> because a church is being planted. Imagine that globally. It hasn't even been that hard. Like, we're not working even that hard. And this church is changing this community. Imagine that being recreated at other places in Haiti and in Africa and around the world because of us devoting ourselves to these four simple things. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We're going to get together and we're going to meet. You know, our, our society, it would be impossible to meet every day. But we're going to meet corporately. And we're going to study the word, we're going to worship, we're going to be in awe, all those things are going to be happening. And then we're going to get together in, in small groups and, and fellowship in that way. And, and those are the ways when, you know, you're out of town, your wife's got a flat tire, you get somebody to call. We have a, a, a dear friend in our neighborhood who's uh, a, a dear friend, he's, he's our neighbor, he's got brain cancer. He's not a part of any church, his family all lives far away. And, you know, fortunately he lives in a cul-de-sac that's, that's cool and we love him. But I've watched a guy that doesn't have anybody, that doesn't have somebody to surround him. Uh, and it made me really sad for him. And at the same time, it made me really glad for us because we have that. And if you don't understand how grateful you should be for that in your life, uh, man, please recheck it. And if you don't have it right now, hopefully we can provide and create an atmosphere where you can find that here in our world. It says that uh, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I love this part. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Didn't have to do anything fancy, and the Lord did it for them. 
And what I guess when I look at Conduit Church and I think to the future, if I were to try to imagine what could it look like, like I, I, you know, I would envision it down the road of being simple. You know, there are tens of millions of square feet in America that are good for one thing and one thing only, and that is coming together, having a special event or a Sunday service. And that's it because you don't want to spill something on the carpet. God forbid we chip a pew. Um, and it lays vacant the rest of the week. You know, when you go to Africa, what you see is a church... They serve the kids all week. They've got school. They've got education. They've got health care going on. And the gospel is being preached. That's going on all week in their building. And then on Sunday, they pull some chairs together. And they have a good old time. And then they go back to being in the church again all week. I would love it if that was our environment. I would love it if when you walked in, you saw folding chairs. And on the wall, maybe there's a picture of the chairs that we could have gotten. But we saved 20 grand. And here's the house in Haiti that we built. And the kids that are alive today because of it and hey we were going to carpet this with this really cool new carpeting that was you know repellent of all spills and but we just stained the concrete we're like journey we didn't do anything um saved 18 grand and look at the medical clinic in africa look at the wells in africa i see that as being the the crux the culture of what we want to be if a church is going to ask us to live sacrificially maybe the church could do the same Maybe if when you're writing a tithe check, you know that, hey, you know what? A kid's going to wake up in Haiti next month and actually have breakfast because of that. Like, that's going to be a part of it, and you'll know it because we're going to be super open with it. We're going to be open with our numbers and our books so there's no secrets. Because when there's no secrets, man, the Lord loves that atmosphere. And I see us as being, when you look to the book of Acts and you go through chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you see this atmosphere of a, of a group of folks that were constantly on the move. They were constantly coming. They were restoring here, and then they were going someplace else. I would love it if that's who. Some of us aren't called to do that. I know that. But to create an atmosphere in a, in a, in a place, in a facility where people can be sent from. I've had 15 years of professional music business experience. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe we could create some sort of a, a ministry of sending where we can actually, from within the church, be sending. We always send them to the church, but not from a church. Do you know what I mean? We create these parachurch organizations, and not that they're sinful or wrong, but maybe there's something that could be done. You know, David Whetstone, um, if, you, if you go to uh, home tonight, go to mentorleaders.org. Um, David is a guy that's been, grew up on the mission field, moved to Grenada when you were seven, right after the war, the invasion, was raised there, takes teenagers, college kids to Africa, overseas, um, Dominican Republic. David's moving his ministry here. Um, we're going to be sending him out of Conduit Church. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but the great news is, is the Holy Spirit will lead us and we'll figure it out. But having a base for a guy like David to call home to somebody that, because if you look to the book of Ephesians and you see the job of a pastor, it talks about the fivefold ministry there. I'd always thought that a pastor's job was to gather people around him so that the pastor could do the work of the ministry. I maybe had never articulated that or consciously thought that, but I, I think subconsciously that's what I thought. But that's not what it says. It says that the job of a pastor is to equip the people for the work of the ministry. So our job is to, to create, to, to unpack, to help execute vision in people's lives that are called to ministry, which, by the way, the book of Corinthians tells us that we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation, to help that, to create that environment. And so whether it's David or whomever God brings our way, that that's a part of our ministry. So that on Sundays we can have Skype calls from Haiti with Pastor Lafleur. maybe. What's going on this week, you know? Or when David is in Africa, in, in, uh, in Togo, for three months, he leaves in April. We could do some Skype calls. Hey, how's, how's it going over there? We, can, we could constantly be in front of us what Christ is doing, in not only in our own world, but the world around us. The technology's there, we can easily do it. That's a church. I mean, I know there's a lot of systems you have to have in place. We definitely want to serve the kids. I look around the room, and I know there's everybody here wants to do the same. But I don't want us to become, I don't, I don't want to personally become so self-centered that I forget those around me. And so when I think of conduit, I think of uh, us being a conduit of love to the community in front of us and the world around us. That it's a constant outflow of the Spirit. If you've been around the electricity, you know that electricity can only go into something that it can go out of. 
I know this because I have been shocked a few times in my life. <laughs> the disciples were told that, they, that power would come upon them, the Holy Spirit that would give them the power to be witnesses. I always thought that the Holy Spirit would come upon me so I could have the power to speak in tongues. But what the power of the Spirit was to come upon us for was to, was to be witnesses. And a witness, all a witness does is tells the truth about what he's seen. Tells the truth about what she's seen, about what you've felt, what you've experienced. You just tell the truth. If you've ever been deposed before, you just, that's all you're doing, just telling the truth. And sometimes it's a little harder because they're poking at you a little bit. You just tell the truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit does is gives us the power to do that. The future, we're going to gather a few more times. Journey has been very gracious and offered to let us gather here. They're going to be making an announcement, actually, about the church being planted. And very soon they're going to ask if anybody part of Journey wants to go and to be a part of it, to let them do that. So we'll be gathering a few more times. We're looking for space right now, looking for cheap space. And probably March we'll be launching and having full public services, for lack of a better word. Not that this isn't, right? Um, and what I would ask tonight as is, is we worship is for just to ask the Lord, does he want you to be a part of it? I know I want you to. I'd really like you to be. And if the Lord wants you to be, there's a lot to do. And we're going to be, I don't know, you know, Bucky's already got the Google Wave set up. And we, we're going to be definitely using technology and working in a group environment. Um, but if the Lord wants you to be a part of it, let us know because we've... Um, we're beginning to figure out all the things that have to happen. And finally this, and Jeremy, if you guys want to get ready, I'm coming in for a landing. Get your tray tables up, seat backs up. One of the best ways of seeking the Lord is at the table, is at communion. It's what they did in the early church. It's us reminding ourselves. It's how Jesus reveals himself to us. When you look at, we were just in Exodus 29 this week at Conduit, and Aaron and his whole family were called into the ministry. Aaron is a picture of Jesus, it tells us in the New Testament, and all of his family. That means that all of us, this idea of professional clergy versus the rest of us is, is an American idea. It's not a biblical idea. God has called us all to be conduit of his spirit. Aaron and his sons were consecrated. That's a very King James word for basically being set apart. It was, it's like I was saying the other night, it's like pizza. I'm going to consecrate these pieces for me. I'm setting them aside for me. That was what they were doing. They were being set aside. And one of the things that happened in that consecration in Exodus 29 was the blood was sprinkled on their ears, their hands, and their feet. The blood. The blood of... Christ has been sprinkled on us. It's on our ears, on our head. It's everything we think, all those sinful things that are in our minds, that it's, it's covered. That the things that I've done with my hands, the sinful things, that it's covered. Every place that my feet have taken me, the sinful places, it's covered. Covered with the blood. In other words, your past can't haunt you. It can't haunt me because it's covered. I walk in consecrated and set apart because of the blood of Christ. We've got a little glass of juice over here and some bread. And as we worship tonight, just for a couple minutes more, as the Lord leads you, I would encourage you to go and to consecrate yourself there. To go into, we talked about it a few weeks ago at Conduit, you're just basically agreeing with God. I'm saying, yeah, God, I agree. I'm a sinner. I, that's right. That's what it, what it talks about going unworthily. Your sins are all forgiven. This is just you saying, I'm agreeing with God, and I accept this blood and this broken body for what it's done for me. And tonight I'd ask you specifically to say as you're doing that, Jesus says, I'm recognizing what you've done for me. As you're being revealed to me, would you have me to be a part of this? Is this thing, this new thing, something that you want me to be a part of. Again, I'd love you to be here.
and I'd really love it if, if God wanted you here. Um, so as we worship, man, ask that. And then I've got a couple more things afterwards, just really, really quick. So.
myself I belong to Just our voices. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. God, you are great. You are holy. You are righteous. That's why we're here.
Lord, we're not going to pretend to have it all figured out. God, we just, as we share the things that we've all experienced, as we walk life together, Father, thank you for that. I know that that's a beautiful thing. As we try to simplify things in our lives, to see and hear you clear, God, I pray that you would just show up even more. Whatever that looks like, I know it's going to look a lot different for each one of us. Not pretend like it's going to all look the same. God, we just love you. you'd never go in by yourself throw a bunch of your buds around you're in God knows that when he sent out the disciples he sent them two by two sent them in groups because we can lock arms and that's what you know what that's what, we, what we're doing is we're locking arms and moving forward into the kingdom of darkness the spooky place that isn't so spooky when you're when your friends are with you It's amazing to think what just the little nickel and dime operation called Conduit Bible Study accomplished, that God accomplished through it. Somebody said once that when you're doing what God is already doing, you don't have to ask for it to be blessed, because by its very virtue, it already is. Matthew 25, we have tests in our house a lot because our kids are in the school, you know. And one of the best news you could get for the test is when it's open book, when you have the answers ahead of time, when you know what questions are going to be asked. Imagine that day when you're standing before the Lord. What's he going to ask me? Is he going to ask me, did I go to church every Sunday? Is he going to ask me, did I raise my hands in worship? Did I know? No, he gives us the list. He says, did you feed? Did you clothe? Did you visit? I already know the questions. And about two and a half years ago, I started cross-referencing my life and realized I was monumentally and cosmically host. I had all the other answers. I had the churchy answers, but I didn't have the, have you done it unto the least of these brothers of mine? And what a beautiful thing that as a church we can lock arms and do it together. And I want if you want to go with me to Haiti, man, come on, we're going in April. It's awesome. I mean, literally, it's an hour and a half, and you're flying into basically a, just a crap hole of poverty and oppression, but where Jesus is alive and well in the church. So, and it's all, it's what we've done with our little Bible study, and I just imagine what could God do now as we're moving forward with it. So, I ask that you would lock arms with us, pray about it. Um, if the Lord is leading you, and you're a part of it now, and want to be a part of it, um, and this is a bit presumptuous, and I don't mean it to be, but, uh, but we've been squirreling away some money, um, trying to raise it we haven't been a part of uh, we, we don't have some mothership writing us a check you know um, and God bless those who do but if the Lord leads you tonight we do have a, uh, the bucket here if God leads you to start tithing into to conduit you know while we have no expenses we're just going to be squirreling it away and waiting for the moment when we need to to invest in some of those things um, the, the, the ministry of conduit mission continues we're the, the, the child sponsorship, all that stuff, that's all still going on. Building the house, that's, that's a whole separate thing. But if, if the Lord's leading you in that way tonight, there's a, uh, a very fancy box down here uh, that we for that. So, um, you, you, by the way, you can sit down. Does anybody have any questions before we go? I mean, Jim's got the kids, so I don't want to keep him very long. Um, and it's a school night. Any questions, concerns? And yes, you will address me as Bishop D.L. Tyler. <laughs> no, my dream is that if you, you'll know that it's a visitor because they'll actually call me a pastor. I don't want to be called that. So I'm just Darren. I believe that a pastor is just like a doctor, you know, a guy that's been in the hospital maybe a little bit longer than you have, but we're all in the same sick ward, all waiting for our great physician, Jesus. I might know my way around, or, you know, but so any 
thing? Um, if you're not on our email list, if you didn't get an email this week, like an actual email, uh, would you let me know so I can get you on the list? Because in this world, we've got Twitter and Facebook and email and all these different modes of communication. I'd love to hone like the church list down to one email list that we can use for that. So, um. mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. And I'll be dropping an email. This uh, will probably be the only time, like for a gathering like this before the end of the year, unless we can find something on the calendar. Everybody's really busy, and I really want to be uh, sensitive to that. Um, we, we might have a gathering maybe at the Tyler House. We'll, we'll you know, fire up, the, uh, fire up the fire pit and uh, do something like that. But, um, and be praying. If you're asking what can I pray for, uh, a facility. I'm meeting with the guys from Brentwood Baptist again tomorrow. They've made a generous offer about us maybe using their facility. Um, there's some other stuff out there that in the meantime we could use. We're just kind of looking for an interim place. In Spring Hill, I'm sorry. Not like the mothership, but like, um, but like they're, they're building a, uh, <laughs> it will be meeting in the Kairos room. No, there's actually, a, they're building out a, a video campus down there that they've offered to let us be a part of. So, um, okay. Well, God bless you guys. Like not just uh, <laughs> metaphorically, but actually literally. Pray that he would bless you. Um, and I'm excited to have you guys part of the journey. So this would be a great time to rock a Carmen song, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, well. Who's in the house? So bless you guys. Um, and you know what? If you don't have my email, uh, Darren Tyler at Mac.com. Uh, it's real easy if, if you have questions or whatever. Most of you guys have it. So, But if you don't, that's where you can find me. Um, it's an easy one to remember. So, Okay. God bless you guys. Thanks so much.